0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Linguist Today. I am Nora De Palma. And I am Pamela Pizzuro. Today, we will be taking a peek into the immigration court interpreting. Uh, today, our guest that is, is a court interpreter in immigration here in Houston. And her name is Gabriela Magaña. Gabriela, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Hello, and thank you for having me. Hey, so hi, everyone. How are you doing, guys? We're really happy that you are joining us today. Um, Yeah, today we have a very interesting episode with Gabriela. Um, Talk a little bit about uh, immigration. We all know that in the United States, The United States, as the country we know now, was formed by European and British colonies around the 1600s. And ever since then, it has experienced massive waves of immigration, which used to be particularly from Europe. But in recent decades, Asian and Latin American immigrants have been the main newcomers into the US. Whether you or someone from your family at one point immigrated into this country, chances are the majority of us are part of the immigrant movement in the search of a better life. What do you know about immigration interpreting? And to, to answer, answer those, those co- questions, we have invited Gabby tonight.
0: Yes, and Gabby, welcome.
1: Gabby is a licensed nutritionist. Uh, she is also an artist and an Spanish-English interpreter at the Executive Office of Immigration Review or better known as the Immigration Court. She mainly works in the Houston area. Um, And well, I met Gabby working there in the Immigration Court actually in downtown Houston. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Gabby. Do you remember how we met?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're right. We met at the Immigration Court. And I remember that another friend that we have in common, she was giving you the tour and then she introduced us. And then ever since then, we became good friends.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Gabby, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? You know, we have mentioned that you're an nutritionist, that you're also an artist. I have had the pleasure of checking your art, and it was just like... It was pretty, pretty amazing because, yeah. So tell us a little bit about I don't want to spoil it for you. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yes. Yes, you're right. Uh, I've had many lives. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Mexico. So when I was in Mexico, I had my degree. I was a nutritionist. I used to work in a hospital in, in the new, newborn section uh, in, the, in one of the hospitals over there. But then I moved to the United States and then I I got I got another degree in art, like you said, <laughs> uh, here uh, here in Houston. I finished that degree at the University of San Thomas, painting, like you said. And lately, I, I I've been using my experiences as an immigrant to this country to to make my my art, right? But yes, like you said, I've been also uh, feeling that that creativity is creati- creative side of mine with the experiences that i get from my work because it's all in the same and i feel like as interpreters in general we need to have some kind of outlet because we at the end of the day we we speak other people's words and we sometimes we even though we it's not our own story we internalize it so much that we need to have some kind of outlet, and that's what I've been doing with my art lately. And yes, and then I met you at the immigration court. And I, I
0: love, I love the job that we do over there, as you know. It's amazing work that what you guys do in the immigration courts. Um, all, all of you interpreters, not just here in Houston, but of course all over the United States. Um, So how, Gabriel, how did you get into this? What what led you um, to get into the interpreting world, one, and two, to specialize in immigration court? I
2: actually started about a little bit over five years ago, but I was a medical and community interpreter. I, I loved it because since I in Mexico I was working at a hospital, I loved being an interpreter here at hospitals because that used to be my my job back in Mexico, being all day at the hospital, interacting with people. So that's, what, that's how I started interpreting in the medical field here. And being that we are in Houston and we have the medical center, mm-hmm. it was an amazing experience, right? Uh, but then I wanted to I wanted to have different experiences in different fields within interpreting. And that's how I I got into legal and now immigration.
1: So Gabby, do you remember that first day or that first week in the immigration court?
2: I do. I do remember. I and I remember because it was it was a day that definitely marked my my But in immigration, because after, you know, how you have to go through uh, training and then orientation and all of that. But the first hearing that you have, it's on your own. You're there on your own. And that day, I it was for me, I I had my assignment with one of the toughest judges here in Houston. And I didn't know that at that point. (laughs) So I went in there. Is it the one and, that I'm
1: thinking about?
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. So I went in there and I did my job, but it was like when I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, what did I get myself into? Because I I was so nervous. It, it was everything was happening so fast that then the the morning the morning docket was it was a master hearing in the morning and there was an an individual in the afternoon. So the morning was interesting, tough, but different than the afternoon. Then in the afternoon, when I was in the individual case, that was such such an experience that after I got a, got out that day, I was just walking. To my car, and I was thinking, "Oh, I don't know if I can come back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do this again." But then, uh, I think that I talked to to other coworkers or other peers, and I I think that that helped me a lot because they were like, "No, you you can do it. It's it's just one day and take it one day at a time." And that's what I that's what I did and. Up until now, I'm still there. <laughs>
0: You're still there taking it one day at a time? <laughs> yes.
2: But it, uh, after after I got to know other interpreters there, and I told them my experience, they were like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that you survived that and that you came back after that. <laughs> because not, not every judge is like that. Like, it's really not, not that bad. It's not. You You do have to know your your thing right you you do have to be sure that you're there for a reason and that you have the skills to do the job but it's not like that all the time it's some days are so bad some days are very very good it's it's like that it's just that i started with just a tough experience but i think that that helped me realize that okay let me just breathe, and I can do this, and I want to do this.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, what obstacle did you encounter um, during your first either month or or first couple of weeks? I think that you were there.
2: It was just getting used to the pace of things mm-hmm. because in In the medical field, it's a different kind of stress because you're there and you never know what kind of in mean, my experience I never knew what kind of appointment what it was going to be i didn't know like I was scheduled for a certain amount of hours at one hospital and then from there they would they would send me to pediatrics or whatever i didn't mm-hmm. know uh, and that's one of the things that i like the most in that field, but it was different. It was interacting with the patients, the doctors, nurses, and all the te- all of the team, right? And yes, you run into some doctors that are kind of a little bit tough, or they're not used to working with interpreters, things like that. But in 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 immigration court, it was just for me. It was getting used to that fast-paced work, like one case after the other, one case after the other, and every day, or the personalities of each one of the judges, the attorneys, getting used to working with, getting used to work with so many personalities and how they like to work in their court, because we get, we go there and you have to, you have to adapt to the way that they like to to work and at first well I didn't know that because that's something that you that you get from it's ex- from the experience of being there every day so at first that was the, the toughest thing for me like to remember okay this in this court I have to do this or I have to do that just getting used to that
1: I, I I agree with that uh with you um I was going to ask you you mentioned that um you know, we have to go through this training, but just I just want to take a peek at your brain. What do you think about this? Because I believe that we are super trained. We go through this really harsh kind of evaluation process to get there. And once we're there, we have all these different personalities, as you're saying. But then I feel like not too many were actually trained to work with us, with interpreters, mm-hmm. you know? Basically, no one. I mean, very few. Probably the most experienced judges were, and uh, the most experienced uh, assistants, clerks were as well. But I feel like it it requires uh, training from all parts to be able to work as a good, you know, clockwork engine. Um, and and yeah, I I don't believe that we have had that. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Tell me. Tell me your point of view on that.
2: I, I completely agree with that. I feel like training has to go both ways because, it, well, first of all, we are part of the team, being there, right? We're just not. After, I mean, we're not just. Uh, we are part of the team, so we they uh, the same way in the same way that we have to know how to work with them. They have to know how to work with an interpreter for things to flow in the way that each judge likes. And yes, I I feel that many times it was just hard to navigate that just, because some people expect you to do some some things that are not really your job as an interpreter. And you you can either do it or just set your boundaries and say, okay, I'm an interpreter. So my job is this and that. It's it it's a two-way street. It it's like I was saying in, in the medical field, doctors are sometimes, in my experience, they they were not as used to working with an interpreter as as in court. But and sometimes th- there were more than one interpreter, like sign language, Spanish, and it was just like like in immigration, we have a an interpreter for, for a different language area, and then Spanish. And it's just, it's just a chain that has to flow, but everyone has to understand that there's steps to that process and it takes time. It's not just like talking to someone like we're talking right now. It's just you have to be mindful that you have another person in the team working
0: for things to flow. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so Gabby, when you decided to go back, did you in the weeks to come from there I remember the the first time when I visited the immigration quartet that, that Pam Pam actually um, took me there and gave me a tour and, and whatnot there was this la- I, there, was a, there was there was there was this young lady um, outside and, and she was crying. And um, she
1: She was was sobbing, sobbing,
0: you know, she was crying, she was sobbing and, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this lady, why is she standing out here in the street crying and sobbing? And, and my heart just what I I, I did what I had to do. Well, I felt that I should do is to approach this, this, this nice lady. And and, and I asked her, are you okay? Is there something that I can do? Do you need me to call somebody? Do you need help? How can I help you? Why are you crying? And Pam's like, she's okay. Just keep walking. <laughs> so, and, and then she explained to me that it was because um, during the hearings, you know, you get, they get an expulsion. They get basically uh, an, an order of removal. Um, do you have some type of vicarious trauma I guess that's what I'm trying that's where I'm going with this um, from seeing that the reactions and the stories listening to the stories is um, of of the of the immigrants and then them getting their decision and then the aftermath of that decision you know being a bad one and vice versa when they get granted their their sign a lot more how happy they
2: get yeah that's exactly why i was saying that interpreters need some kind of outlet to to let that go because when you're in the job you're saying those words and those stories that are not are not yours but you're saying that Mm -hmm. and yes you can compartmentalize your mind and say, okay, I'm just, and yes, you obviously, but there are some stories that just, personally, it's hard for me to do it, because um, I'm looking at the person, they're crying, they're saying, they're telling their stories, and at the end, it's, like you said, either one thing or the other, either granted or not. And, yes, absolutely, you're, there have been days where I just – after a case, I just need to be uh, by myself for a moment and then just either uh, – sometimes I call my sister because she's an interpreter, too. So it's good to have someone who understands. Pam and me have talked about things like that. Like, we have talked after a case, like, this happened today. It's it's such a relief to – first of all, take personally, take a moment for myself and just – Either write write down what I'm thinking or whatever it is. Uh, before I used to, before I used to go, I used to have a, a studio close to the immigration court, so I I would go there during lunch or after after the afternoon hearing, and then I would just spend a couple of hours there because it's just something that you have to. Let out, let it out, just let it out, and that's such an important part of the of this
1: field and you have to process this I agree with 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 that with completely one hundred percent with you for the people that don't really know and haven't had any experience with immigration court. the way it works uh, usually is an immigrant who doesn't really have any kind of status here in the u s. Uh, for whatever reason, either that um, their passport um, or their their stay at the U.S. has expired, or a traffic ticket or any kind of violation of the law, end up in the immigration court, and then the judge there has to decide whether that person deserves to stay here in the United States or if that person has to be removed, and it is. of the time heart-wrenching stories that it's just you just have to learn how to process and so when that happened to Nora um, when I took her for the tour and this lady was sobbing outside I thought I mean it's it's hard but it's just part of the job you know it just comes with the territory basically it's like a, uh, i'm not comparing myself or any of us to a doctor but it's like a doctor that is going through a very you know harsh surgery and it doesn't work out the way the team was expecting everyone is going to be you know
0: suffering that loss,
1: heartbroken, lot. and but we learn from what happens and then we go to the next one and and we kind of understand what the process is going to be, so it kind of helps us have a little bit of thicker skin in this kind of situation. So we can stay focused because it's really hard. I remember I had a, a hearing where um, the one of the, the respondents, that's how we call them, uh, was telling a story, and I just couldn't separate myself from the story but i just still had to do my job so i just looked down and (laughs) my tears started falling down and i was just interpreting as smoothly as i could and as cold as i could but it's just you're human you know you you sometimes cannot avoid feeling that way but that's just um it's just the way it is so um it's 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 a very um interesting rewarding a lot of times because when they do i don't know for you gabby how do you feel about this and Nora, you also have experience in immigration not in Mm -hmm. court precisely but you have um basically specialized in immigration as well so um I think the three of us has have the experience of whenever something w- goes the way the immigrant is expecting to go, we all feel like. And I don't know, and that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. Well, that's why I mentioned that uh, in the introduction about um, the immigrants' uh, origins of this country because um, it just makes me feel. So- so much better when like there's a happy ending, I guess, to it. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that. What what can you tell us about that, Gabby
2: Yes, I I relate to that completely. When it goes as I expected to go, it's like even they are like, thank you, and they are <laughs> because yes, it's
0: it's very rewarding. well
1: you you have had that experience as well
0: yes well mine is different because what i do is the the um uscis asylum interviews more than anything um so that is the credible fear interview so the rewarding moment i guess for me would be when my client calls me and tells me they gave me the, the the asylum and then i go back with them Whenever, you know, they have to go back to the office to get their answer and then I go with them and that moment when they tell you welcome to the United States, your asylum has been granted. That's the rewarding part for me. Um, during the interview, uh, it's more about getting the whole story across. Um, sometimes some interviews are very, very emotional, extremely emotional. That we have to take not one, not two, but three breaks at a time, and it can last up to five and a half hours. I've had an interview that has lasted five and a half hours. So, um, but that at the at the end of an interview, you feel that that happiness with them that it's like <gasps> I let it all out in front of the immigration officer, you know, and you help them do that. That's rewarding. And then after the interview, when the Applicant thanks you. And it's, it it, it's, there's this bond that's created with, with this applicant and, and the interpreter because you are, uh, with them through, if not the most important interview that they will have in their life, an interview that determines their future or that can determine their future in the United States, you know? So, I, I love what I do. I, I love I, my, job. my job. I, 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 I miss, miss it. it. I miss it so much. Um, I, I hope that we get to back to work in June. I highly doubt it, but I still hope we do get back to work. Um, speaking of which, Gabby, how, what, has, what has gone on um, with you after the COVID and during? I know that there isn't any immigration here. Um, what have you been doing? How have you been dealing with that?
2: Well, I have been doing over the phone mm-hmm. with, different, with different companies, mostly over the phone and some some video calls as well, because the video calls that I do is mostly for the school district, for HISD, because they still have to they still have to go on, even if it's at a distance, right? So um, that's what I've been doing most of this time. It's definitely it's definitely hard,
1: but Can you say that really- the volume of uh, clients have increased in healthcare or in um, I guess in the community interpreting side. Hmm.
2: That's that's a hard question because with video calls it's ju- it's just community community interpreting, but with over the phone it's mostly uh, the medical because since the the family cannot be there with their with their loved one, they have to use an interpreter and it has to be over the phone, so it's
1: so you have been interpreting those really harsh calls. Can you yeah. tell us a little
2: bit about you that? It can be something as simple as what do you want for dinner, <laughs> placing a, a, an order, uh, or really just saying goodbye to their loved ones. Just it's so hard because they cannot be there. And it would, I think that it would be so much better if they could at least do it over video, video call instead of just voice. But I don't know. That's the system that they have in place. The one that I am familiar with. And yeah, it's it's hard, but it's interesting to see how everyone is managing all of this because it it's like the the family member calls the hospital, calls the 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 interpreter first through um. Phone system that they have, and they we get connected to the hospital, and then from the hospital, then they they send us to the floor, the nurse station that we have to go to, <laughs> and then from there they they can either talk to the doctor, the nurse that, that's in charge at that time.
1: Yes. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. I didn't know that it was going to that point already of, I mean, I don't know. I I guess I've been, honestly, I've been away ever since this breakout happened. Um, And I have had experience in healthcare as well, but I guess it just wasn't uh, for me back then. And we're talking about 2017. So, um, I, I I just didn't think back then it was for me, uh, but I, wow, I mean, I I don't know if I could handle that, uh, it's just different, it's a different kind of monster, I'm going to say.
2: Yes, but it's something very, very rewarding as well, like we were saying it, because they, you are, you are being that bridge,
0: and that's, that's a very good thing to do that bridge of communication.
1: Yeah. Have you, I'm sorry, I I do want to ask this. Have you seen or noticed that there's any new terminology that interpreters should be learning now regarding COVID-19?
2: There's actually have been, uh, well, one of the companies that I work for um, made this like webinar about new terms and it was mostly obviously medical but um, infectious diseases and things like that things to have more more like to refresh that 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 vocabulary So yes
0: i believe i saw something on facebook regarding that there was a webinar i want to say maybe about two weeks ago or so a week or two ago a couple a couple a couple of weeks ago about the terminology the new terminology for COVID nineteen. Um,
2: yes, because I feel like agencies have to keep up with times, and they are also doing their part in having their their interpreters up to date with the terminology. And it's resources, and it's it works for everyone involved.
0: Right. Um, so, uh, Gabby, let's. I know that we have a couple of years. How how about we talk to them a little bit about if the, if, if some of these interpreters want to, or, or new, new people want to uh, get into court interpreting, what advice would you give them or where to go? What are the steps to take? I would say
1: that it's good
2: to... Like, like Pam said, it's, it's a different kind of monster, but it's a monster that can be tamed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: So, so, like I said, taking it one step at a time. So a good place to start would be, uh, like, for example, the Texas courts website has a lot of uh, information, like glossaries and practice. YouTube also has a lot of practice material, like uh, hearings in different kinds of settings and that's that's a good thing to to watch to practice with and also i think that a very 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 important thing to to have in mind is to talk to your peers like like i said my first day i didn't know anybody except the person who trained me and that person wasn't there for my first day obviously but after i got to know the team here in houston is it just makes a huge, huge difference. Because you have someone to talk to about random things and just decompress, because you have different sources. Because like, for example, with with Pam, I talked to her about different cases from, like, to get familiar with the vocabulary that sometimes she knows more than I do. And we exchange experiences or articles, glossaries, so i think I feel like getting to know your peers is very it's a very 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 good uh,
1: and I think that I, I do have to say this uh we are have been very lucky to have the the team of coworkers and colleagues that we have here in downtown Houston because it's an awesome team i mean i hear I've known interpreters from many other parts of the states but I the comments that I keep hearing is that we are very united, you know, we help each other. Um and so shout out to all of our colleagues. If any of them are watching, we miss you guys. I think that we were very lucky um to to get to know you, to, to get to know all of you. Um Gabi, I wanted to maybe touch on a little bit on the resources that you have used to train yourself for immigration um and talk a little bit a little bit about the company there's one company that we or agency i should say that has the contract for all the uh, immigration courts in the united states and so if you want to work in one of these courts you have to go through that agency through their training process and their evaluation process but um so do you want to tell us a little bit about how that process is and after that we also have to keep you know keep up with the training so maybe also share what have you found most helpful
2: yes that that training that you mentioned is is helpful because for example in my experience coming from the medical and community field i had to i had to get familiar with the with the court system and all these very different processes because you have to be everything gets recorded and it's just different than the than the other fields so that that training is helpful but I think that as much as as you can do on your own like I was saying on YouTube it's it's just right there at everybody can access YouTube nowadays so you can go in there and then just watch different kinds of proceedings in different kinds of courts, family, immigration, whatever, and just get familiarized with that and identify words that you that you're not as familiar with, and then just research them. And also be mindful that for example, in in immigration that we that we come in contact with people from different countries and that the vocabulary is different, if, even if it's Spanish, it's it's many things are different from one country to the other. So just get familiarized with that. That's that's why I say being in contact with your peers because they can help you with that. Like just Pam and me have been. She sometimes says some words that I have no idea, and, and or I hear some words in in a hearing that I'm like, okay. I need to ask that. <laughs> I need to research this. And yes, it's just get familiarized with that legal vocabulary, but also sometimes when you're there in the heat of the moment, it's just the regular words that sometimes, like I said, that it varies from country to country. It's just those words that you're like, oh, I master all the legal glossary, but then it's this word that I forgot. <laughs> so just, be it has to be a constant research constant reading, keeping up with the news keeping up with articles both in 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 my case Spanish in both Spanish and English and just to to keep up with the with the with the terms
1: so after after that um training. Have you had any more training? Like, have you found any particular, uh, I don't know, company or interpreting program that has been useful to you?
2: Uh, uh, yes, actually. I am, since I w- I'm in the process of getting my state certification, I enrolled in, in, in a preparation course, and that was very helpful. Because it was it was in person and it was uh, forty hours in person uh, with a group of maybe ten people, and it was good to to have that experience because it helps you realize where you stand, where you're standing, and what you need to work on, and and from there then move on to. What it is that you need to work on and then do more research do more reading do more practice and practice and practice
0: Gabby um, so for for the rest of the year, let's say uh, for the next couple of months, if the courts do not open, what are your plans you're going to continue to do OPI um, or VRI is
2: right yes i i've been doing that uh, opi uh, the all this past few months so yes i plan to continue with that
0: definitely
1: that's good i'm sorry i <laughs> was so <on> mute again <laughs> okay. um i've taken uh some courses from de la mora mm-hmm. and he has a bunch of um Really good courses, I think. Do you have you found them helpful?
2: I think it's it's a good material. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a that was a course that we had for like the very first training course that we had, and it was good. And they have a lot of resources too, yeah. aside from that initial training. They have many resources.
1: And would you mind sharing what was this? Uh, course that you take, the 40-hour um, preparation course for the estate certification, because I know that maybe a lot of the people that are going to watch us are might be looking into that.
2: Yes, I was um, here in Houston, and it was at the University of Houston in downtown, and um, it was with uh, the professor, wa- it was uh, Graciela Sosaya, who is a very renowned <laughs> interpreter, yes. And- so that was very, very helpful. I feel like learning from the best really, really is a massive
0: of difference. Yes, it really does. I love Graciela Sosaya. She is uh, my mentor and dear friend. I know Pam feels the same way. I get so passionate when I talk about her because I took my first classes with her as well. Um, at the University of Houston downtown. And she has been, s- her passion for what she does overflows. And I love it. I-, 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 I love the person that she is and how she's willing, not only to give you this course, this 40 hour uh, preparation class, but help you along your interpreting career, which to me has been great. Uh, great help um, she also she uh, runs ace um, she has the classes for medical and court interpreting in, um in, in the University of downtown and we will put her information up as well and we will try to get her on the show right Pam
1: yes yes we Graciela is awesome and she's always willing to help which is great um, so Gabby Pretend that I am a newbie. I don't have any knowledge, but I want, have the will to go into um, becoming a court interpreter. What are the steps? What do I need to do?
2: Take one of Graciela's to courses.
1: <laughs> Besides going with Graciela after that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Polly uh, P- Polly uh, Valenzuela is a friend of mine she just commented and she took the course with me yes Polly she is the best thank you I'm sorry Gabby go ahead continue
2: yes at that time uh, when I was when I took that course uh, I think that I was the only one if not one of the few who had uh, experience in immigration court and I think that, honestly, as I jokes aside and all of that, it's, it's a very good tool to start because she gives it to you straight. She so, if she, she tells, if you have a question, she will, she would help you find the answer. She would help you in any way that she can. And that's what you need when you are starting out. That's what you need because sometimes it can, it can feel a little bit overwhelming that you don't know how to get into that field, how to, how, how things work, how the system works, how you don't know anything. So it can feel a little bit overwhelming. And so surrounding you like, like in one of those courses or just, yeah, just participating in those webinars that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. It gives you a, a better sense of how things are and how you can
1: improve yourself and your skills. That's true. Um, so uh, how, you said that you're on your way to becoming a, a, a state um, certified interpreter. How, how do you do that?
2: Uh, the website is TexasCore. Texas
1: Texas courts, I believe. Yes. We will and you share to, the information. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, yes. And and it's a it's a long process and unfortunately testing having cancelled because of the pandemic. Yes. But uh yes, yeah, you, you go and take the reading test and then the oral test. And but in each one of those steps you have to wait for results to come back and then wait a few months to take the next test and then wait a few months to get your test back. <laughs> so it's a, it's a process. So you can use that time to prepare yourself into...
1: Would you say yeah. it has been an easy process for you?
2: Mm, I, I wouldn't say that it has been super easy, no. But I think that um, surrounding yourself with people who are willing to help makes a difference
1: right, right and and given the experience that you have as well right because Nora's going to take the exam right Nora <laughs> yes I am <laughs> uh, yes yes I am I've
0: been so busy with work uh with um immigration interviews that I have postponed it and postponed it but now that you know we are here at home uh i have all the time in the world to study
1: yeah yeah um but i mean you have this is for court interpreters right because you know we know that we have different areas we have healthcare we have court we have conference which i am like super intrigued nowadays i oh, no. um, you know gabby that i've always i've always been in, intrigued with conference interpreting i think it's like my my mecca, I guess, because I, I used to dream about, I say used to because I don't know what's going to happen now, but I feel like I used to dream about being a UN interpreter, and I don't know how far I am from that. But um, <laughs> but it's, uh, so to become a conference interpreter, I don't think that it's a requirement to be a certified state interpreter. Um, I think that you you need other certifications. I have also taken the the part of the process to become a a court interpreter. And I remember I went and um, I went to the JVCC website, sign in, you know, you have to pay some fees, you have to go and take your fingerprints. And then as you said, Gabby, first you have to take a written exam. And then you wait, as you said, and then they are supposed to send you a date where you take the oral exam. Um, And so far I heard, I haven't taken the oral exam yet because everything was canceled, as you said, but I keep hearing that that's like the hardest. The thing with immigration interpreting is that you go through this training with this agency and then you are in the immigration court for a while and it gives you the experience that you need simultaneous interpreting which for a lot of interpreters is the hardest mode of interpretation and after a while for us it just kind of becomes automatic because we know how this what's the rhythm that we need um would you do, do you what do you think about that do you agree with that what's your perspective
2: i agree with that i think that that's one that's one aspect that a lot of people find that they struggle with. And in fact in that course that I took with Graciela I I remember that the, the people who were not in court as I was interpreting every day, they struggle a little bit more in that part. But it's just practice because that's what that's what took for me.
1: Practice. Just <laughs> And I think it's just the fact that you Uh, put on the spot way more (laughs) you (laughs) encounter all these unexpected events right there in court in the hearing being recorded and you're like and you learn your techniques how to deal with that stress so i think that that's actually a plus a big plus that uh, immigration immigration interpreting has um, Mm -hmm. taught us so yeah um, I don't know if we have any more questions for our guest today. Do you think we have covered everything, Nora?
0: I believe so. Yeah. Look in looking here. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, Gabby, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. I don't know if you want to share maybe an email, um, or maybe a LinkedIn, um, uh, link that you uh want to make public so people clients can contact you because um you're going through your process of certification and once you are certified you can start doing the positions and things like that so maybe that's something that eventually um attorneys and you know other clients potentially might be looking for
2: yes yes i course my email is L P at gmail.com i can post it on the comments as well and i'm in linkedin as well as gabriella magana i can post it as well
1: yeah awesome um i hope to see you soon i miss you (laughs) (laughs) um and i miss you too last week uh nora you i know i
0: Apologize about that. I had And I know everyone
1: else missed you. No, but it's 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 okay. So some some days that's going to happen. Like either I'm gonna take on the mic or you're gonna take the mic on. And it's just it's 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 normal. I think everybody.
0: When we have uh, family previous engagements, I think it's acceptable.
1: Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Life is life, and life is
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. So um, thank you everyone for watching us. Thank you so much, Gabby. If you happen to have any questions about immigration interpreting, or if you want to contact Gabby for any kind of uh, interpreting jobs that you may have for her, please feel free to contact her. She's going to post her email address on the comments. And without anything else, I think, we don't have any questions. We will end this meeting and we will see you next Tuesday with another guest, which we'll be posting posting very soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Have a good evening, ladies. Bye-bye.